And so we're going to have communion after we get done this morning. But let's pray and ask the Lord to be with us. Father God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, that you are holy. God, that we want to be a holy people too. God, that you, you've made us in your image. You breathe your Holy Spirit to us, Lord, in the garden. And God, that when we fell, we lost it. But God, when you, you came back and you died on the cross, Lord, you breathed your Holy Spirit on your disciples and you called them to wait into the upper room, Lord, because you want to fill them with the presence of God deep within them to abide with them and, and them with you, God. And, and let us be that people today, God. May we be a people... Lord, who, who are given up our lives to be a people for God's own possession, a holy nation after you, uh, conforming to your will, God, and being a light to the world, your church, in Jesus' name. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me today uh, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 uh, and Ephesians chapter 2. Just kind of put both fingers there. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21st. But uh, to, this morning, we're part of our Be the Church series. We've been talking about what does it mean to be the people of God? What does it mean to be the bride of Christ, the church? And today, we're going to talk about what it means to be the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. But if I had, a, if I had to title it something else this morning, I would title it Repurposed. Uh, look to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be repurposed. You're going to be repurposed. Each, each one of us today, we're going to be repurposed. But uh, what does it really mean to be a Christian? What does it really mean to be a Christian? What's required of the Christian life? What do you got to do to be a Christian? What should you do to be a Christian? Uh, can you be a Christian without being a part of the local church? And you're all here today, so you get bonus points, right, uh, for the message. But can you be a Christian without being a part of a local church, being invested in the church? You know, a lot of people think they uh, don't really need the church. It's just a formality. It's something that we just do or go to. Somebody will say, well, I don't have to do that to be a Christian, uh, and so on. But, you know, when you belong to Christ, like we've been studying out, you belong to the church. Uh, it's the body. He's the head. And uh, we'll talk about that more this month. But when you belong to Christ, you belong to the church, and you belong to Him, and you belong to one another. And uh, Joshua Harris, in his book, I've been quoting some of his book, uh, Stop Dating the Church, throughout our series, but he wrote, A failure to be a part of the church is a failure to be a part of Christ. A failure to be a part, invested in, connected to the local church is a failure to be a part of Christ. Uh, and and you've got to think of it this way. If we are the church, if you and I, if you are the church, if I am the church, if we are the church, we belong to God. And God is holy. Uh, we belong to God and God is holy. And so if we belong to God, that means we are holy. And holiness is simply this. Holiness means belonging to God. When you think about God and you talk about holiness, it's really about His essence, His nature, His characteristics. That's holiness to God. But when it talks about us, we talk about you and I are holy, it means that we are belonging to God, that we are consecrated, that is, set apart for a holy purpose. It's not just that God puts us in a little box and hides us in the corner, but it means just like the vessels in the temple were used for only the purpose of God, that it was cleansed, sanctified, set apart to do something with it. 
that God wanted to do something with that instrument, that vessel, for His purpose. And that's holiness. It means separated from ordinary use, purified from evil. It means consecrated, given completely over to His service and conformed to His will. And Scripture says that without holiness and peace, you and I will not see the Lord. We'll not make heaven without an idea, an understanding of holiness. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. Holiness. So many Christians, though, when we fail to belong to church, we actually are failing to belong to God. We actually fail to be holy when you fail to be a part of the church, when you fail to belong to one another, the church. And we're going to kind of dig into this this morning. Uh, and I kind of want to give some background because Jesus has prayed for a church. And I look at the church today and I see uh, we see so many problems. And, and hey, we're all messed up. We all were sinners and we've all got this baggage that we've we brought in and we all still remain, even though when we're a Christian, we all have bodies that get sick and we have pain and we endure suffering and there's trials and tribulation in this world. We know that. But so many Christians, when they fail to see the glory of God's church and what he's done for it and the holiness that he has and the holiness that he's given to his church, we see things that surprise us. We say, wow, I can't believe that person fell. Or I can't believe that person would say this or that. Or, or uh, we, we struggle with secret sin issues. Or we see so many marriages falling apart. We see all these problems in teenager rebellion. We see suicide rates and divorce rates. We see uh, Christians with this, you know, in your workplace, you see them uh, have, speak the same way as the world does. And, and it shouldn't be that way, right? And so look at this. Jesus prays in John 17, verse 19. He says, okay, and I'm, I'm leading up to the intro. But he's saying, I... <laughs> You're getting ready this morning. You're going to get this. He says, before Jesus dies, he says, God, I pray for these, my church. He says, I pray and I sanctify myself. I make myself holy so that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus prays for you and I today. He says, God, what I'm doing right now to die on the cross and make myself right and do, give my life a holy life. He's born of the Holy Spirit. And he gave his life obediently to the will of God. I die for them. I die to make the church. And God, I, I'm dying and sanctifying myself so that they can be holy. They can be sanctified. And that's something to think about, that before Jesus died, he prayed for you to be holy. Do we take the holiness of God lightly? Do we take the holiness of God lightly? And this morning we're going to talk about to be the church, you and I must be repurposed for the glory of God to be built together as His temple, the dwelling place of His Spirit. So are you a holy habitation this morning? Are you a dwelling place for the very Shekinah glory of God inside of you? Do you have the living God inside of you? Are you a temple of the Holy Spirit? That same God we read this morning when we opened the service of Revelation where the angels sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is, is to come. That God, that very God, is He living inside of you and do you respect that? Do you have a reverence for that, that you are His temple? Okay, let me talk about the Old Testament temple real quick. In the Old Testament, God, because I mean, you have to understand this temple of God, because we don't have a temple today, we don't understand going to the temple, but in the Old Testament, from the very beginning of God calling His people, God said uh, to Moses, He pulls them out of uh, Egypt, and He says, Moses, I want you to do something for me. Tell Israel, I want you to build a tabernacle. A tabernacle, the word tabernacle means a dwelling place. We also call it a tent of meeting. 
All right, everybody say tent of meeting. You've got to remember that because it's going to mean something later. He says to them, he says, my desire in Exodus, he says, my desire is that I would dwell among my people. That's God's desire. God's primary desire from the very beginning of creating his people is that he would dwell among them. So he does something. He says, I want you to make a tabernacle, a place of dwelling, a place of meeting. And so in that place, God had to, they had to build it to exact specifications and it had to be holy and sanctified. In the same way, just years later, God would tell Sol- Solomon, King Solomon, he says, Solomon, I want you to build me a temple. And it's going to be a temple for my spirit to dwell among you. My goal has always been to be among you. I've led you to the promised land. Now I want a permanent place of dwelling in your midst. But here's the deal. And this has been from the beginning. If I'm in your midst, that means that I'm among you. And I can't be among things that are unclean. And you can't be among me, otherwise you'll die. So you have got to faithfully obey everything I say so that I'm the God who sanctifies you, but you must remain sanctified. You must remain holy. So if if I'm a holy God, I am the one who sanctifies you. It is the Lord who sanctifies you. And so I want to dwell among you, I want to sanctify you, but you've got to faithfully obey me. So God makes this, this or, uh, arrangement. He's like, I desire to dwell with you. I'm going to make these meeting places, these dwelling places among you. And it's going to be a reminder. It's going to be a reminder that my holy presence is with you. It's going to be a place where uh, you can meet me and... Uh, and you're going to be able to offer sacrifices for sin. You're going to be able to pray to me, praise me. Uh, but it's for your sake. Because remember, God's the God of the universe. He, he's God of the, of the stars. He's everywhere, right? But you and I can't get close to God because we're not holy. So God in His awesome grace makes a place of meeting where man can meet God. Man can talk to God. Man can get atoned for their sin. He makes a place of meeting. And it's this obedience by faith. And, you know, I looked up some, um, some uh, stats. A, a conservative estimate, if you would take all the jewels and the stones and the cedar and the lumber and all this stuff, and the, it would be over $85 billion conservatively. Some people say up to $130. $85 billion to build the temple, plus tens of billions of dollars of priceless artifacts inside. Everything had to be built to the exact specifications, exactly measured to the millimeter of where it should be, uh, in the outer courts, the inner courts, the inner courts, because the level of holiness of God, that only the priest could go in the holies of holies, the most holy place once a year to atone for sin. Everything had to have been washed with water, purified, set apart for God, then sprinkled with blood. And it took 100,000 people over seven years to build this place. It was one of the eighth wonders of the world. There was nothing like it. It was just gold everywhere, cherubim on the walls, palm trees everywhere, and it was holy, set apart for the purpose of God. Think about that. God's holiness was serious business. It was holy. It was sanctified. It was set apart. It was, it was crafted with the most beautiful craftsmen, the most anointed men, uh, could uh, only build it. It was uh, anointed with blood. It had to be lighted with oil continually. Uh, every day they had to keep the fire burning on the altar. They had to put fresh bread out daily. They had to be served. Nobody, not even a normal family. It was a specialized, trained priest and ministers wearing specialized clothes, using specialized equipment set apart for the purpose of God. Tell me God's holiness is not serious. Serious. 
God's holiness was serious to them and to him. And, and I wonder sometimes, do we take God's holiness lightly? Think about it. How serious God was about his holiness. I, one author wrote this way. He said, the temple and all of its rules was a reminder that man must approach God only as God chooses. You couldn't just walk into the temple. You couldn't just walk up to God. You couldn't just do whatever you wanted to do. God's holy. We're not. Now think about this. When we, you know, we're, we're Louisianans, we're Gentiles, we're, we're heathens, right? We don't come from this idea, this perspective. And so it's, sometimes it's so easy to take so lightly a holy, holy God. But without the blood, you would die in the presence of God. Without atonement for your sin, you would literally die and be immediately in hell. That's how holy God is and how unholy we are. God is life. And to before we even begin today to talk about the holiness of the church, you and I have to come to the understanding that God's holiness is serious. And you and I cannot come to God on our terms. We come to God on His terms. And He's the one that makes the rules, right? He's the one that sets things in order. And it's so easy just to come and say, Oh, Lord, forgive me for this sin. I'm so sorry. Oh, God, just, you know, I'm walking into your presence. God, I'm just going to open my Bible. God, I'm just going to... No, you are... A, he is a holy God. A holy God. And this is very serious. Everybody's like quiet today. Like, what is he going to do? He's talking about smiting us or something, Pastor. He... But I want us to understand holiness is on God's terms. You don't get to decide what's right to say and not right to say. You don't get to decide what's right and wrong or what's good or what's bad. God's holiness is on His terms. He says what's right for you. He says how you can get to Him. He says what's good, what's bad. He says what will lead to life and what will lead to death. He says what will cause you to lose His presence. And Israel had an agreement. He said, if you want me to dwell among you, you must obey my word and follow me by faith. You must be sanctified yourself. But all of this, though, all of these rules, all these laws, thank the Lord, Jesus comes and tells us this was only a copy and a shadow of something to come. Because this doesn't change, church. The Old Testament and the New Testament, there's not, there's not a change. It's just a revelation of something more. Jesus comes and tells the woman at the well, He says, Hey, an hour is coming and now in when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such a people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship Him must be worshiping in spirit and in truth. And Jesus comes today to tell you and I something. Now you are that temple. You are the temple of God. Look in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Here we go this morning. God desired not only to be with His people now in limited measure, but Jesus comes on the earth to show us that God, from Ezekiel 36, tells us that God desired not only just to dwell amidst His people, not just dwell in a building in the middle of His people, but to dwell in every single person of His people. He wanted to be not just beside you, but in you. And be among you and from within you. And so Jesus comes and He makes this new temple out of the most valuable creation of God, the thing that God made at the climax of creation. He made it out of people. The last thing God made in, in, X, or in, in Genesis was people. That's what He waited to the very last moment to make it the best. The very best, most crafted. The only creation He crafted with His hand. The only creation He breathed His own breath into. God said... 
Now, my temple is not going to be out of stones or bricks or mortar. My temple is going to be out of my most valuable possession on this earth. The most valuable jewel on this earth to God is His people. And He says, now you are going to be my temple. Now, watch this. Jesus speaks of His personal body as the temple of God in John chapter 2. And through His holy birth and His holy life, Scripture tells us that Jesus becomes the foundation, the first body, the, the platform for the temple of God to be built upon Him. And look in Ephesians chapter 2.20. The world is wondering who in the world is the church. They're waiting for people to rise up and become what God has uh, created them to be. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 through 22, read this with me. It says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together. Everybody say together. Together into a dwelling. That's the key word. What was the tabernacle called? A dwelling place. A place of meeting. Of God in the Spirit. Three things I'm going to give you today about you and I being the temple of God. Number one, you are a dwelling place of God's Spirit. Number one, you are a dwelling place of God's Spirit. God, just as He desired to dwell among His people, Israel. It's been His nature from the very beginning. I want to be with you. Isn't that awesome to think that God of heaven wants to be with you? Why? Isn't that crazy? That He just wants to talk with you? to walk with you, to be with you? Do you think about like this holy God? Man, He's up there in heaven. It's a green rainbow. There's a sea of crystal glass. There's all these angels and millions and millions of angels. And there's six angels that are up there with six wings singing holy, holy, and their eyes balls all over them. There's weird, weird guys. I mean, just totally blows your mind of what it would look like. Colors you've never seen before. Jewels we've never seen before. Streets are made of gold because that's their pavement. Gold is nothing. I mean, it's just pavement, Right? And that God looks down from heaven and says, the Holy of Holies, He says, I want to not just be with you. I want to be in you. Isn't that amazing? Why? I don't understand it. I really don't. I have no words to ascribe. Why does He want to? But when I look and I think about it, we think about it, how awesome. That God wants to dwell in me. Shouldn't I take some reverence for that? Shouldn't I think about... Man, man, if you're struggling with an identity crisis, just think about that. You're depressed for a moment? Just think about that. There's got to be something valuable to, you, to God to you. I mean, to, and you to God that... One, there's a God up in heaven who cares about me that much, who loves me that much, that I don't need an identity in any man or woman. I don't need an identity in my job or this earth. God up in heaven wants to dwell in me. How valuable, how awesome, how reverent I must think of Him. And so you are a dwelling place just as the tabernacle and the temple. God showed up when when Moses dedicated it and when Solomon dedicated it. It says that the cloud, the glory of God filled the place of the temple and and when Solomon dedicated it, and the priest couldn't even go in because the Shekinah glory was so tangible that they couldn't even stand up. They couldn't even go in. You couldn't even see it because God's presence was so very real. I'm going to ask you this morning. Is God's presence in your life tangible? Do you just think, oh, I'm a Christian? 
Yada, yada, yada. I believe in the Ten Commandments. I go to church. The end. But is there a supernatural walk with God in you? You should think that I feel every morning when I get up, it is different because I am walking in the presence of God. Every day, that do we, do we sense the presence, the tangible glory of God in your life? And when we come to meet in a place like this, that the glory of God just descends. That from a non-believer's perspective, they should feel something different. Because God's presence in the Old Testament was visible. It should be visible in your life. When you walk into a room, the presence should change. When you go to work, the presence should change. The atmosphere of your workplace should change because the presence of God, the God who's up in heaven, is in you and just walked into that room. Do you think of yourself in that way? I'm telling you what, the devil has lied and lied and lied to get you to think so meager, so nothing about the presence of God, about who you are in Him and what you're bringing to this earth. You are the dwelling place of the presence of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is no more temple in Israel today. You are it. You are it, the dwelling place. God's not focused on perfecting a building today. He's focused on perfecting His people. And do we think too lightly of this? The Bible says that we receive the Holy Spirit by faith in Christ. And Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Turn with me there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, he said, Do you not know? Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Does He meet with you in your heart today? Is that a tent of meeting? Your heart. Do you find a dwelling place in your heart? Does God feel at home in your heart? Think about it. Does He feel at home can He come into your house and rearrange all the furniture in your heart? Can He make a residence and He says, No, I don't want this in my heart. No, I don't want that in this heart. I want this, that. I want to put the couch over here, the love seat over there. And actually, I'm thinking about taking out this wall. I want to, I want to paint this wall green. I want to paint this wall blue. And I'm going to make this the kitchen and that the dining room. Does He have full reign and say, This is my temple? John, you're my temple. Brian, you're my temple. Does he, does, he, does he know and does he know and have full reign? Number one, you are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit where there should be a tangible presence. Paul even asks, he says, don't you guys get it? Don't you know who you are? Number two, he says, you are built together. And you're like this. Are you, you are built together. Ephesians 22 and 1 Corinthians 3.16, that's where we are. Ephesians 2.22, he says, in whom you are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. He says built, that means fashioned by God together. You know, it took someone, we have a brick church, and it took someone with their hands to put every brick where it goes. And he says God is fashioning, God is building with His own hands, putting each brick together exactly where it goes to build up a church. To one, He calls them to be an apostle. To one, a prophet. To one, a teacher. To one, an evangelist. To one, He gives a gift of help. To one, He gives a gift of mercy. To one, He gives a gift of encouragement. To one, He calls them to go to missions. To another, He calls them to call someone at 3 a.m. in the morning to make sure they don't do something stupid. He, to another, He says, I want you to uh, raise this son and that daughter. To another, I want you to be a Sunday school teacher. To another, and all of it together becomes a glorious building fitted together and designed 
by him. You know, an architect had to design this building. Sometimes we wonder about that person and who they are, you know, once we have our building issues, right? But God's church, God is the architect. And he says, he told me, Heath, I know you had plans for your life, but this is what I want for you. Give up your own plans. I'm putting you here. This is where I want you. This is my, this is the brick. You're my brick. I want you to put you right there. To another, he says, hey, give up your life. Stop trying to run away from me. I'm going to put you right here. This is your job. You've got to fill that hole right there. there if, there. if this brick over here decided not to be here today, we would be looking outside and we'd be losing AC, right? But it's, it's like God is being built together. Now look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul says, he says, you are a temple of God. You know what? The, the you right there, Paul was speaking from the south. And that word in the Greek actually means y'all. You all. Did you know that? Y'all speak Greek every, every time y'all talk. He says, y'all, you all are a temple. It's plural. That word you is plural there. He's saying it takes all of y'all to make the temple of God. You all. Now, each one of you is the temple of God. But in the same sense, each one of you is only a brick in the whole temple. Now, here's mine. I went to Belize this, this last year with our team. And uh, God's spoken this to me several times before, but... You know, when you go to another country and you meet the missionaries and you find out or you hear somebody come on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night here at Sanctuary to hear their heart for a country, you get with them and you just sense it. Like if you go out to eat with some of these missionaries, they are just excited about China or just excited about Belize or uh, uh, Angola prison or wherever their mission is. Because God has taken a piece of his spirit, his heart, and put it into that person. But then I go and meet another missionary and they're, they're passionate for kids' ministry, or they're passionate for Russia. And that person has that heart. But neither one of them have the same equivalent. This guy's passionate for Russia. This guy's passionate for Africa. This person is passionate for kids' ministry. This person is passionate. Pastor John's passionate for youth, youth ministry, right? But I can't have that passion. I, I've tried before. I'm like, I get with these person. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to get involved in that. Oh, yeah, I want to get involved in this. Oh, I mean, when you hear their passion. God's heart is so big for people. God's love is so big for people. It takes every person who's a Christian on the face of the earth even to even begin to contain God's heart to save the lost. God's heart to love. You can't manifest the full power and presence of God by yourself. You just can't do it. I don't have enough love available my love level can only go so far. Even if God filled me from top to bottom, it wouldn't be enough. I've got to be around you, my brother, or you, my sister, to understand what love is really all about, what forgiving other people is really all about. I've got to be around other people to know what it means to turn the other cheek. I can't do that on a desert island by myself. Some of us could, perhaps, you know. Uh, but, but you have you together, the church. And I love this. You by yourself are not enough to be the church. It takes all of us. It takes all of us. It takes someone going to Africa. It takes someone going to China. It takes someone going to our schools. It takes someone to minister to that student or to that student. It takes another person to have this gift or that gift. And Paul says, you have to understand all of you become the temple of God. You are one brick in a worldwide, multi-generational temple of God 
One author wrote this. He says, a brick by itself, no matter how chiseled, no matter how much you work on yourself, no matter how holy you get, no matter how fulfilled in God you get, by yourself, you're not complete unless you're a part of loving other people in this room. Unless you're a part of loving other people down the road at Life Point Assembly of God, at First Baptist Church, at Nolly Methodist, at East Gina, wherever, in Arkansas, Louisiana, in our brothers and sisters in Africa, in our brothers and sisters in China. It takes all of us to be the habitation of God's Holy Spirit. That's an awesome God. He's a big God. Now, Charles Spurgeon wrote this. He says, no matter what I said about the office, he says, no matter how chiseled you are, no, no matter how good you are, a brick by itself, if not placed within other bricks, has no purpose. And Charles Spurgeon, great pastor and writer, he wrote, he says that those who claim to have given themselves to the Lord but not to any church are good-for-nothing bricks. Mm. Like the brick who's sitting outside of itself, outside of the construction site, it's just off there by itself. It doesn't want to be a part of what the master builder is doing. He says that those types of Christians... Those types of Christians are rolling stone Christians, not the magazine. He calls them rolling stone Christians who have not answered the purpose for which Christ has saved them. They live contrary to the life even that Christ would have them live and are much to blame for the status of the church. This ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's about God. It's all about Him. i got to do my part. you got to do your part. Be the church. Fulfill God's uh, purpose for your life. You've got to get repurposed. That brick, when it was hewed out of the rock, or that stone, when it was hewed out of the rock, the master builder went to a quarry, picked out that rock, and he began to chisel it and work on it. And he crafted it and designed it to fit in a certain spot in his master building. You, every person in this room, has a unique purpose, a unique place in God's ministry to build up His kingdom, to save the lost, to build up His church. And if you are just sitting on the sidelines, not becoming a brick who is building up one another, who is mortared together with one another, who is fulfilling the purpose of God for your life, ministering to others, giving up the design you have for your life, you might just be a good-for-nothing brick, says Charles Spurgeon. But be the church. Be the church. Okay, so number one, we are a dwelling place. Number two, we are built together. Peter says that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that you are living stones built up as a spiritual house, as a holy priesthood for God. Have you been repurposed today? Have you been shaped by God today? Have you been mortared together in the love of Jesus to be a living temple of the Holy Spirit? Number one, we're the dwelling place. Number two, we're built together. Number three, we are holy. This is where it gets good. We're holy. You can't have the Holy Spirit within you without being holy. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Paul really talks about this a lot in Corinthians. But he says, uh, Scripture says that by faith when you believe on Christ, you're going to gain that Holy Spirit within you and you're fully accepted by God. But Paul shows up to a church in Corinthians. I'm going quick here. Paul shows up to a church in Corinthians who's, man, they're acting fleshly. He comes to them, he's told them, he says, hey, when you believe in Jesus Christ by faith, the Holy Spirit comes in you and God's accepted you. You you feel the Holy Spirit. Man, there's signs and wonders. There's tongues. There's evidence of the Spirit. All this stuff happens when God's Spirit comes inside of you. And, And you know that you know that you're saved. But then he shows up at this church 
And they're acting fleshly. Man, they're acting like the world. They're dealing with strife in the church. They're arguing over who to follow. There's serious sin issues going on. And he comes to them. He says, guys, have you forgotten who you are? Man, what's the problem today in so many of our youth is they do not know who they are. There's an identity crisis in this world. When there's problems in the church and there's sin in the church and there's sin issues in the heart of a Christian, there's a failure to remember who you are. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And Paul would say, now act like it. Now look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, he says, If a man destroys the temple of God, his church, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that's what you are. You know what he was saying? He's saying, if there are people in the church who are pulling the church apart, who are pulling the church down, who are letting sin issues slide in their life and the lives of others, who are entangling others in sin, who are, who are uh, not being a sanctified vessel, he says, God will take care of that person. If any man destroys God's church, God will destroy him. That's what he says. Now think about that. Sometimes we really look at this and we kind of, well, you know, pastor, they got issues. We all got issues. Lord, forgive them. You know, grace. And I, man, our church, we are the most, probably one of the most gracious churches I've ever met. But at the same time, there's got to be grace, love, and what's our third one? Truth. The Bible says that God's church, His people collectively, are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. That you and I, that holy, He says, you've got to be holy. Think of this. There was a place that was in the center of the temple. And it, you know what it was called? It was called the holies of holies, inside the most holy place. And God says, now that place, where anybody, if they walked in, it would die immediately. Now you're that place. Think of it. Your body, your mind, your heart, is now becoming, because of the blood of Jesus has sprinkled you and cleansed you of sin. You've been washed in the water of the Holy Spirit. You've been purified. Your life is now to be set apart, not just as a Christian, not just as Heath or John or Chris or Stacy or, or Mike or whoever. You have become the Holy of Holies. Think of this. Now, what should that do to us and how we live our lives? Now that Paul says in Galatians, he says, hey, when Christ comes, now there is freedom from the law. You're no longer bound to the law. He says, now you're free from the flesh. You've got to die to the law, die to the flesh. And now you live by the Spirit of God who dwells within you. You live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, how should you live? We had, how many people growing up had those bracelets, WWJD? Anybody? Some of us were older when they came out. Some of, I was in high school when they came out. There's a never probably been a truer statement that we should analyze our lives every day. Because if I thought that I was the holy of holies, and then anybody would die, you know, if you weren't holy because of the blood. But now I've got the blood covering me, and God makes me the holy of holies. How reverent should I walk on this earth? How much should I think about what I'm reading what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, what I'm saying, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing. Sometimes people want to come to the pastor and they ask, God, uh, should I watch this movie? Should I get this tattoo? Should I smoke? Should I drink? Is this a bad word? Is that a... You are the holy of holies. What do you think? Where's the line? There ain't no line. 
You're the holy of holies. God's Spirit dwells within you. And go back. Our, com- our comparison today is to look at a man named Jesus Christ who walked this earth and He was the most holy person to ever walk the face of the earth because He was born by the Holy Spirit, which is initial. But then He walked progressively in obedience to God. And think about what I said about Israel. God said, I am the God who makes you holy. I am the God who sanctifies. So when you and I are born again, we are saved. God makes you holy. You are sanctified. The blood of Jesus covers you. You can't get any holier by what you dress or your haircut or your television or what. You could be messed up, still struggling with sin, all that stuff. That's called initial sanctification. You initially become holy because of the blood of Jesus. Because you're born again. The Holy Spirit lives within you. But like Israel, God told Israel, He said, Hey, now I've made you holy. Now faithfully follow me. Faith, by faith you're holy. But by faith you should listen to the Holy Spirit now and walk in everything I tell you to do. So you and I today, our holiness, I'm just talking to you today, just, just I'm, take the notes for a second, I just want to talk to you. You and I, when we become saved, you and I are holy as you can ever get. That's initial. But every day, you and I have to remember that the Holy Spirit of God now dwells inside of you. And He's going to tell you, because you're His house, what to watch, what to read, what to listen to, what to say, what not to say, where to go, where not to go, because you are not your own. Look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul says, but the one who, verse 17, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he says, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. Your mind, your one accord. You know when Adam and Eve were made together in the garden, it says they were one mind, one accord. They were one spirit, one creation. We Remember we talked last week, we're the bride. When you're married to God, you have one identity. Adam and Eve couldn't even argue. You couldn't think anything separately. We're one together. When you and I get saved, you're married. You're bonded together with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes in you. And our design then from that point on is that you would think like God thinks. You would talk like God talks. You would walk like God walks. And he says, now get this. The very glorious presence of God has made you the holy of holies. And that Spirit is inside of you. Now, how should you walk? How should you think? How should you talk? Should you do that or should you do not? He says, you're one Spirit with God. Are you thinking like God? Are you acting like God? When you get angry, are you responding like God? When someone steps on your toes, does God come out? Or do you come out? Right? Because He says, you... Think of this. The glorious presence of God filled the place out of the holies of holies. What comes out of you when all your buttons are pushed? How holy are you? Not about what you dress and act and all that. God cleans all that up with the blood of Jesus. He died. We, we died to the law, the ceremonial law of the do's and the don'ts and don't eat, don't touch, don't taste. That all is covered by the blood. Now he's saying it's a heart issue. It's a heart holiness. It's not what's going into you. It's what's coming out of you. And I tell you what, if you were to open that Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, the glory of God would fill that place. What comes out of you when people open you up? What comes out of you when your mind just lets loose or your tongue just lets loose? How holy are you? Do you recognize that you are the holy temple of God? Look, he says, he says, verse 18, sometimes though, 
Paul, he talks to this church. Paul, he talks to this church, and sometimes you've got to be blunt for some of us, right? Sometimes we don't always get it. Look what he says. Verse 18 says, Flee from immorality. Every other sin that a man commits outside the body, uh, but the immoral in man sins against his own body. And he says, 19, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that you're not your own? You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You and I have been repurposed as living stones. You don't get to think what you want to think about that person anymore. That person who wronged you, who did you so wrong, who did you bad, you don't get to think about them like you want to think about them. You don't get to feel about that person like you want to feel about them anymore. You don't get to talk like you want to talk anymore. You don't get to go buy and sell what you want to buy and sell anymore. Everything you do goes through the check of this. God, is that your will for my life? God, should I buy that truck? Should I buy that car? God, should I get that tattoo? Should I smoke? Should I drink? Should I cuss? God, should I, should I move here or move there? God, should I marry him or should I marry her? God, should I wear this or should I wear that? That's your life now. Your life is not your own. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. And there's this promise. I'm going to get to this. What's coming out of God's temple? God says, He said, I will dwell among them. I will be their God. They'll be my people. In verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, He says, Come out from their midst. Be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what's unclean. I will welcome you. I'll be a father to you, and you'll be my son and daughter to me, says the Lord God Almighty. Are you a temple of the world? Or a temple of God. We are a habitation, a holy habitation of God's Spirit. And when we are opened up, what is within us comes out. And is it the presence of God that when Jesus says, Bless and do not curse, when someone stabs me in the back, does blessing come out? Or is it a temple of this world, a habitation of the evil of this world, and cursing come out? Is it when I'm wronged and done bad? Does jealousy and anger and strife come out when someone looks at me the wrong way or someone says something bad about me or I'm done wrong or whatever? What comes out of me is evidence of how, Holy Spirit, you have ownership of this heart. I pray that when you and I walk into a room, man, the glory of God just fills that place. I don't care what you look like, what you've done, what you had done before, but the blood of Jesus will cover you of all sin. He'll make you holy as you can ever be holy. But our job from then on is to faithfully follow and obey the voice of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. Then you'll be continually holy. Amen? Amen. Worship team, would you come? I'm going to give you this promise as they do. The Bible says this. Listen to me real quick. And we're going to take communion together before we leave this place. I want you to really listen to me. Nobody thinking or moving around. This is what Scripture says about you being the temple of God. Are you ready? He says, when Jesus Christ has died on the cross and when you believe in Him by faith, says, today you can walk in the freedom of God's Spirit who lives within you. You can be cleansed of all unrighteousness. You can be free from your fleshly desires and free from religious laws. You can have a new purpose in God's master plan. You can naturally produce Christ-like fruit by His Spirit who lives within you. 
And you can be mortared together, bound, knitted together in love with His people. Sometimes we forget the benefits of being holy. We look at, God, I've got to give up this. Got to give up this. Got to give up that anger. Got to give up that unforgiveness. Got to give up what I do and don't do. Got to give up these things in the world I like to do. Man, the good outweighs all that. Who you get to be. That God's very Spirit. Listen to me, church. If there are sin issues in our life, we cannot stay there. You are holy. You have to act holy. You have to be holy. Be His church. If there's sin issues that we continually struggle with in our life. Yes, there's do's and don'ts. Scripture is clear. We don't have sex outside of marriage. Scripture is clear. We don't get drunk. Scripture is clear. We don't get harbor unforgiveness. Scripture is clear about many things. But there are so many things that we could list about sin. The Spirit of God is already dealing with people in this room this morning to tell you, I'm trying to get you holy. I want you to faithfully follow me. This is what I need you to do in your life. This is what I want to do in your temple. And he's asking you today, does he have ownership? Does he have ownership in his temple? He's bought you with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. I'm going to ask you to stand with me today, and I'm going to ask your ushers to go ahead and come.